I had to explain something to you. Yeah. Yes, about President's Day. Is it or is it not a federal holiday? Of course it's a federal holiday. Post office is closed. Post office is closed. All state... <coughs> Everything... No federal. coughing allowed even on the No banks. Day. Yeah. No post office. Right. No what mail about delivery. schools? Schools are closed this whole week. What? Yeah. Oh, you mean like... This is like President's Week. Yeah. Because it's like intercession. So why the hell is my the school where my wife teaches open on Monday? Because it's a private college. Um, I, I'm not sure about that, but it probably... Possibly. It's a borough. So private can... No, it's not borough, it's a temple. Temple. Oh, I knew it had something. <laughs> You're doing a Jewish sounding name. <laughs> <laughs> it's synagogue Tem- university. Temple is private, though. So. Oh, wait, so that's it, the private schools? Yeah. They so, can have school whenever they want. So, and, and what's yeah. really good is the writers who just came back to work on Wednesday get the day off on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so what do writers do on their day off? They write anyway. They, they just work on their novels instead. Uh, we're going to have all these novels coming out by these people who had two months to kill. You know? No, there's going to be a million new sitcoms. That's gonna be right. <laughs> <laughs> they just brainstormed all these ideas because they couldn't work on the one thing that they were being paid to work on. Right, so. right. All right. Just, just something, some more competition I have to deal with now. <laughs> that's right. Go. Yeah, a, now, the second thing I want you so to... So, President's Day, by the way, yeah. is always the Monday between the 12th and the 22nd. Oh. Be, be, because, for all of you who forget, Lincoln's birthday is actually February 12th, and Washington's birthday is actually February 22nd. How do you know that off the top of your head? It's just one of those facts. I, mean, I remember when they used to be separate. Yes. They actually used to be... Well, when I, was, when I was in school, in, in, like, you know, in K through 6, we had both days off. And then right. they com- then they combine them into this President's Day, which be and it, it was when they moved every holiday to a Monday for some yeah. reason. And I think also it was they wanted to give us Martin Luther King Day, so to do that maybe they had to. No, that was way before two. that. Oh, was, oh, okay. It was way before. But I just remember the twelfth and twenty second. How hard is that? Well, uh, yeah, but why would you remember? <laughs> I mean, I remember also. Do you remember what the value of pi is? 3.14 why do you dot, remember, dot, dot. Why do you remember that? Well, the value of pie is if you're hungry for dessert. You <laughs> get it? It's a little, little do, you, do you remember Sokotoa? Sokotoa? Wait, wait, wait. Sign, co- no, no. Um. The sign is the... Wait, so opposite over the hypotenuse. The cosine is... Co, C-O-H, is the... So, wait, so... Ka, ka, adjacent over the hypotenuse... And the toa, the tangent, is the opposite over the angle. And you know what's opposite over the adjacent. I'm sorry. With the explanation, I still don't understand. I hated geometry. Love I geometry. I loathe that. I subject. love geometry. Love math. Really? Well, yeah, you are a numbers person. You have that I'm special numbers guy, yes. thing going on there. Yes. Yeah. So speaking of math, here's yeah. my other question, and this is what, um, in the earlier big time show, I could not explain to the caller. Normally, we had a caller. We, <laughs> I know. Isn't that amazing? The delegate thing. We, I understand why there has to be delegates, so, so that there's people in small rural areas have representation in the government. Oh, delegate. I thought you were talking about the delicate cycle on the washing machine. I don't understand that either. I still don't understand why you can't wash whites with yellows and, and blues. Well, because the, the colors will, will, will run onto the whites, yeah. and if you put bleach on the colors, they'll not do well. They'll bleach out too. Okay, cool. Good explanation. Now go with what are delegates and what the hell are superdelegates? Delegates go to conventions and and they are assigned. A super delegate 
is it a delegate that is not assigned, but you can vote a delegate. You don't really know. Like in New York State, we actually vote for some super delegates and very few delegates. Okay. So they're unassigned, meaning... Well, they're free. They're not... We, we vote for the delegate in New York, not for the candidate. So what we're doing is we're sending Mr. Mr. So-and-so who says, oh, I like Hillary Clinton, but I'm not promising you and I'm not going to vote for Obama. So he's... He's a super delegate. So really, until he goes into the polls, he can really he can vote for Ron Paul because yes, because you you have actually elected him in 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 the New York State primary. I believe we we elect delegates to go to the primary. So you're electing someone to represent you. But is their vote public when they make a vote? Sure it is. So as they can't just go into a booth and pull the lever and vote for whatever. Right. So Oh, they have to publicly say who it is. Oh, okay. Well, what happens is that when they call, don't you remember, don't you watch conventions? It's, oh, no. It's so much fun. They really they are. They haven't been, what? because we've known who the, this year the Democratic Convention might no, be No, no, but they're always pretty good, because they always go, the great state of Wisconsin, home to this, home to, and they oh, always yeah, make yeah. a big little speech, it's kind of funny, who pledges six, 16 delegates to Obama and 14 to right. Clinton, and one to our favorite son, and they, <laughs> yeah. always, they always kind of mention the favorite son. I remember in the 1970s, I get excited about that, because I always thought, well, until all the delegates are counted, the other person has a chance. But then I just got, I I got sickened by it. You see the, um, there's that old film by Emil D'Antonio called Nixon, where, and you just watch, and you see these, these Republican cheerleader people, and just the, the stupidity and the, the McDonald'sization of American politics, and that's all these conventions are. It's, it it makes me sick to watch them in a way. I love it. I mean, it really is democracy in action. That? Yeah. Democracy in action is one person, one vote to me. But also, you've got your you've you've now you you voted for this person. Now you get to see them actually nominate a candidate. I think it's very pretty exciting. But do, so, are you pro delegate or are you pro the idea of one person one vote? Well, yeah, it depends. If you're going to have a convention, you're going to have to have delegates. Right? Why well, we need a convention for? Oh, uh, conventions like a rally. They have okay. What well, we need a rally for? No, because that's the, the, the news media covers it, and it's big. Mm-hmm. You know, when the Republican convention goes, the Republican candidate gets a boost. Oh sure, yeah, of course. And when so, the del- okay, and so. the Democratic, so I, I don't know. I it's it's why do you you know you also have it for the same reason that they build a platform there. Okay, yeah, that's where you build a platform. It's it's kind of like an annual shareholders meeting. Wonderful. But do you really feel connected to it? To me, I just feel distanced from it. To um, me, that has nothing yeah, to well, do with my... Because you, because you haven't run for it. You haven't been a delegate. Well, who wouldn't want to go to a convention? I hate, Well, no, I actually enjoy conventions. When I, it's a theater convention, I do. So, but I, so you've been to a convention. No, I haven't been to one, but I've, I've been around one. Why? Because oh, I have a lot of balloons. balloons too, yeah. <laughs> Jeff's... Um, Business is doing balloons and and centerpieces and cool things to make parties look nice. So uh, I'm assuming as part of conventions, you've had to work. Except now they're not paying people; they're getting all volunteers, which is really bad. Well, bad for the word. It makes sense. So yeah. wait, were you there? The balloons are always second rate. Did you work in that uh, convention? That the one that had unbelievable massive security in New York, where all the bicyclists were getting arrested for no reason, and you can walk down. No, because like, that was the last Republican convention that was. Why well, you wouldn't work a Republican convention if they paid you? No. Good for you. <laughs> Proud of you, Jeff. 
I don't say that very often, but I'm proud of I you for that. I got morals. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just... It all seems so skeevy and so far away from what it's all about. And now, of course, that... that um the 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 presidential what is it the, the the continental congress for the president oh god please don't don't get historical on me because I get so lost no every year the, we we the president's not really elected by the people we send delegates to right okay yeah to wherever I forget that should be about the, the co- college the electoral college that's it which is a private college so they're open on presidents that would be a very funny question. Is the Electoral College open on President's Day? <laughs> Is there a... Do they get any snow days? <laughs> Are they going to be testing on this? <laughs> can they can they bring a... Uh... Will this be on the final day? <laughs> can they bring a Palm Pilot while they're voting? <laughs> you know, it's like a closed book vote. <laughs> anyway, you're listening to the little big time, ladies and gentlemen. We're WGB. just having a little fun. Yeah, that's what, that's what this show is about. From the miles of my nautical heart... And the heart of my dog's nudicles, you're listening to Dave's Gone By on the station that serves your community, AM 1240 WGBB Freeport. Greetings from Long Island, where every highway is a sunrise. It's time for Dave's Gone By, an hour of comedy, talk, and music brought to you by Total Theater, with your host, Dave Lefkowitz. You've never heard anything like it, so sit back, relax, squeal if you must. Here's the host of Dave's Gone By, Dave! Tropical hot dog night! Well, there goes the neighborhood. Yes, everybody. Boy, I, I feel so so up and full of energy tonight. I'm not sure why. I, I just do. It is February 17th, 2008, and time for the 260th episode of Dave's Gone By. Here on WGBB AM 1240, I'm Dave Lefkowitz, journalist, humorist, writer, all that kind of stuff. And I'm here with my usual frequent guest co-host, Jeffrey Goodman. Good evening, Jeffrey. Hey, Dave. How you doing? I'm doing just fine, baby. Yeah, you're 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 also in kind of an up mood. We were doing the pre-show, and, and you really... I think you energized me a little bit. That's kind of neat. Mm. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Have another taco. That'll, that'll Get one of those spicy salsa tacos. That'll wake you right up. And also what wakes up... You know what's what wakes us up the most on this... Um, what's that, Dave? Our sponsors. Oh, yes, of course. Which are? Um... The, the the copy kings of Broadway, which Ooh. would be Pulet Minuteman Press. Pulet Minuteman Press? Pulet. Pulet Minuteman Press. Pulet. Pulet. The next uh, Loman Shoes. That's right, Loman Shoes. And let's see, what are, name another sponsor. Eh, mortgagesrock.com. They do indeed. Mortgagesrock.com. Learn how to be a broker as well as if you need financing for yourself. But you learn, you get the commission at mortgagesrock.com. And what about that uh, that old Bible of Broadway? 
I can't say the word. I was, I'd make a joke, but you'd kill me. Don't make it. <laughs> the Bible of Broadway. In the Old Testament of Broadway, ladies and gentlemen, is Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine. I can't even imagine the joke you were going to make. Just, just stuff your face with lettuce. That's better. Performing Arts Insider for 65 years. The Bible of Broadway and Off-Broadway and Cabaret, Opera, and Dance. Go to PerformingArtsInsider.com for more information. And finally, can't forget our other sponsor. Last but not least... Ladies and gentlemen, our sponsor sitting right here, Jeff Goodman and Fancy Schmancy Balloons. Now, what is so cool about? Could you could you not move the mic while we're doing that? Fancy Schmancy Schmancy Balloons. What's so great about them? I don't know. Well, then I'll I'll say Fancy Fancy Balloons caters. Well, not food-wise. It caters to the look of your party, to the design of your party. If you need balloon archways and, and nice decorations, plus they do the centerpieces on your tables. Everything gorgeous. Well, a lot of other people I've been robbed. <laughs> 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 one of the nice things about Dave's Gone By is we have our running in-jokes, and one of them being Carol Channing. Because even if nothing had happened to Carol Chang, she would make a pretty good in-joke. But she had been... No, she wasn't... <laughs> yeah, yeah, <listen>. Into the <laughs> mic, dude. Well, yeah. along with a lot of other people, I've been robbed. Robbed. We just bought a new house. It's really the first house I've ever had, and not a hotel. This is our house, and they robbed us. Our house in the middle of her street. And, and again, to... um. To just reiterate, she wasn't actually robbed. She was in a bank that happened to be robbed at the time. She was in line. <laughs> right. And, and it was a non-gunfire kind of bank robbery. She probably didn't even realize the bank was robbed no, yeah, until the no. police arrived ten the minutes guy, later. The guy gave the note to the teller, teller gave him money, and he left. But I love the fact that Carol Channing, and she goes, and it's like one of the, my favorite things in, in the best week ever. They had a comedian, he goes... Carol, just because they give you a little card that gives that you into the bank doesn't mean you live there. <laughs> oh, the beloved, love, lovely Carol. I would love to get her on the show. We've had a Carol Channing impersonator on Dave's Gone By, but never the real thing. So maybe, uh, maybe we can steal some her, of her time and get her on here before, well, she, she's robbed of her last breath, as it were. Other people, I've been robbed. robbed! I've been robbed! Anyway, gotta move on here, because to tell you what the rest of Dave's Gone By is going to be about tonight, first of all, we have, I think for the first time, a sports writer on this show, a sports columnist, and my favorite sports columnist no, in New York. several other sports writers. No. The people with the, the, all the shows. Well, the sports broadcasters I've had. I've had Rob Cole, who does the uh, hockey talk show on here. Yeah. But he's not a sports writer. I, he doesn't write? No, not that. Well, I mean, he probably he does a blog. Right. So this is Phil Mushnick of the New York Post, and he does about three or four columns a week. And he's not just a typical sports writer that goes and covers games like last night's game or something like that. Or he, he isn't the sports journalist out there dealing with, oh, how did Roger Clemens do on the, uh, in the hearings the other day? What he does is he watches sports on TV, and then he writes about what ESPN is doing wrong and how they're cheapening the game, or how the uh, Monday Night Football used to be a good show, but now they just talk over everything or they give stupid statistics. You know, he finds all the wrong things that are being done to sports on TV. And you know how that makes me feel. How? Well, along with a lot of other people, I <laughs> Okay, okay. Actually, you gotta get, you got to... 
uh, move it to the I've been robbed part. You know, just just to get to, get to a lot of other people. I've been, been robbed. robbed. Well. And oh, and he's always taking he's always taking issue with cable vision about uh, robbing people when when like robbing? certain um, channels don't carry hockey or whatever it is. So I'm going to talk to Mushnick a because I read him, b because I agree with him a lot of the time, and c because I really want to get to him on the things that we may not completely agree on, and maybe get a couple of good arguments going. So Phil Mushnick of the New York Post tonight on Dave's Gone By. And also, we'll have time, hopefully, for the uh, Inside Broadway segment, brought to us by Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine, where it's going to be not only news, big breaking news on Broadway of the week, but a couple of off-Broadway shows that that I went to see over the past couple of weeks, including a show called Runt of the Litter that's all about football, so kind of ties in there, and another show called Deathbed, which could not be more aptly named. So, without further ado or a don't, ladies and gentlemen, don't go away. It's February 17th. It's Dave's Gone By, episode 260, called Mr. Mushnick. Do not go away. Hey, all you swingin' hep cats, hep kittens, and hepa filters. Have I got a cool book for you. It's called Marriage, Babies, and the End of the World. It's published by Holbo Books, and it's got a bunch of comedies in there by Dave Lefkowitz, the host of Dave's Gone By. I think you'll find them funny, so cats and kittens, give it a look. Davesgoneby.org is the cool place to go for marriage, babies, and the end of the world. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By on this Sunday night. Now, people know that um, I'm kind of a sports fan, more of a theater fan, and actually a professional theater critic, have been one for 20 years. So it's pretty natural for me to read other people's reviews of Broadway and to write my own, but it's kind of less common, even in the blog era, even in the website era, to read reviews of other things. I mean, I guess you can Google and find reviews of restaurants and stuff like that, and you get sports writers who assumedly are objective, but of course when they write about a game, they're going to be somewhat subjective. If the team is really bad, they'll they'll start putting those nasty little adjectives in there and, and being cute about how bad the team is. But it's rare to find actual critics of the sport and the way the sport is covered in media. And that's why probably my very favorite sports writer is a fellow fellow named Phil Mushnick, and he's been writing for a while for the New York Post, and I read his column all the time, because he doesn't just talk about the sport, he talks about the way it's covered on TV, and, and, well, how in some ways media has poisoned sport, but, but he also sometimes picks out the little gems and the good things, too. So, have so many things to ask Phil Mushnick about, let's get right to it, but first, welcome to the neighborhood, Mr. Thank Mushnick. You, David. And um, so, so let's start. How long have you been with the Post? Too long. Oh, uh, oh nice. <laughs> I think I'm in my 35th year, believe it or not. Oh, uh, congratulations. I began as a 20-year-old copy boy in 73. Yeah, 35. I'm in my 35th year. How, how long did it take to go from, like, a copy boy to having your own column? Uh, let's see. I got, I, it was a slow process at first, and then it quickly accelerated. I was, uh... Let's see, a copy boy in 73 through, got my first byline in 77, so 73 to 81, about eight years. 
Huh. Eight years. Boy, wow. boy well, columnist. Rapidly aging. <laughs> now, was your column always what it kind of is now, or were you more of the typical, like, you would interview a coach, you would interview a player, or yeah. you just write about the games, or did it have I to evolve? My first six years on uh, on the sports side with the byline as a beat reporter, I covered the my first beat was the New York Cosmos soccer team. Do you remember it? Oh, I remember, remember Pelé and all that. Yeah, uh, Pelé and Canale and Beckenbauer. Great stuff. Good travel the world. Got to got to see some fantastic things and meet some fantastic people. And uh, after that, I covered the New Jersey Nets of the Piscataway years. Okay. And I covered the New York Rangers uh, days gone by. Uh, the uh, general manager was. The late John Ver- Ferguson and uh, Jean-Guy Talbot was the coach. So that was a 77-78 year. Mm-hmm. And uh, around 81, it began as a <laughs> TV-slash-radio column. And it's kind of evolved or perhaps even regressed into <laughs> a uh, uh, kind of a social critiques, and investigative stuff and consumer issues and just, you know, as you know, David, as most fans know by now, certainly, uh, TV's the, 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 the tail that wags the dog. Nothing happens uh, in sports, in, in mainstream sports anyway, without television's full authority. And uh, so when you cover television, you really get to cover everything as it relates to sports. And, well, there are certain issues that you specifically have been hammering at for a long time. Me? Me? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Redundantly? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, like, like, I mean, since we just got through the football season, um, there's the, the whole thing of starting times of games being right. moved rather indiscriminately and, and rather last minute without regard to, say, 40 to 50,000 people. Or 70,000 or, yeah. you know, or the, ser- the, the, the service people involved from policemen. Police women to um, traffic and uh, ushers and uh, security guards and it's just uh, it's quite a mess. And as uh, uh, time has proven, the night games tend to be uh, a little less civil, and uh, you need mm. that much more security, and it's a little more dangerous traveling at night. The whole bit. And one yeah. thing. Oh, sorry. No, that, that, that's you're right. I have written. I've been writing for 25 years. I, a lot of good has done any of us. I understand why they would want games to be in prime time. I mean, I, okay, I, I I kind of understand that, but right. then why start them at nine o'clock and have them run till after twelve thirty? I I don't understand. If you start a well, game you know, at six I, o'clock, I kind of have a theory on that. I, I think the end of uh, human civilization, as we used to know it, uh, began when Bowie Kuhn was the commissioner of baseball and. Uh, the World Series became exclusively, exclusively a primetime sport. And, you know, suddenly, and it sounds almost uh, Pollyanna and, 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 and almost mundane at this point, but the fact that kids today can't, uh, can't be awake for the end of a World Series game strikes me as, as almost a crime against society. Uh, I just know that my formative years... Uh, included watching World Series games to the end. And, and I'm not saying that, that games on a Tuesday have to be played at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Hardly. Because then you're pushing people, you know, you're, right. you're hurting and their work day. And, and, people are going to work, and yet we managed. We managed. When I was a kid, and I did see the last four innings of every game. And, and yeah. watching the end of the game is certainly more important than watching be- the beginning. 
but there's no good reason why games can't begin at at, at 7:30 as opposed to 8:45. Yeah, I, I just don't understand the logic from their point of view of where the money is since games are going past 11 o'clock at night. That's after prime well, time. Well, they want to maximize. Uh, Primetime advertising revenues on both coasts. Oh, so in California, it, I, right? So they get yeah. like an hour and a half on West Coast time, and yet, you know, people. I'll, I'll write this. Well, what about the people on the West Coast? Well, why should anyone on the East Coast be shut out of the end of a Red Sox Yankees playoff game? Yeah, right. And yet, no one on the West Coast would be precluded from sit, from being home and watching. The end of a uh, an East Coast game began at 7:30. So that's 10:30. That's 7:30 on the West Coast. They're going to watch that game. Yeah, and as you said, I think I read your article about the Giant game a couple of weeks ago, where um, why did they have to in Green Bay? Right. You know, I mean, I mean, it wasn't going to be a pleasant day if it had it begun at 1 p.m. But it would have been on, on the wind chill. It would have been probably 15 to 20 degrees warmer. Right. But it's just a matter of common sense and common decency. Uh, football was never designed to be a nighttime game in yeah. Green Bay, Wisconsin on January 20th. It just wasn't. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know. Well, then again, probably if you went to hockey, you're know, up to Canada, and you ask them about hockey, they're like, we play hockey at 2 in the morning. It, it, it makes a man out of you. Sure, well, so. that's for ice time. If you can get some ring time at 2 a.m. I, I played hockey, and we used to get ring time at 2 a.m. And, so. uh, you, you, and we paid for it, and we're happy to get it. But that certainly wasn't a public spectacle. Ah, fine wine, great books, priceless antiques. All that's missing is something to listen to. But of course, episodes of Dave's Gone By. The music, the comedy, the perceptive talk. Entire shows preserved on compact disc. Any episode you choose, just $11, shipping included. No home is complete without Dave's Gone By on CD. So visit davesgoneby.org because you're worth it. Hi, this is Phil Mushnick, sports columnist for the New York Post. You're listening to Dave's Gone By on WGBB. Now, here's uh, an issue that you've hit pretty hard on that I'm somewhat in agreement, but I may we may differ a little bit on this one, and that is differ away, brother, on the steroid scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I mean, obviously, it's a terrible thing that steroids will do to a, a person. It'll kill him young. It might make him totally crazy and suicidal and all that kind of... I mean, steroid is a bad drug, but lots of drugs are bad. But if an athlete chooses to use them to enhance his performance, why is that so bad? You mean beyond the fact that it's illegal? Well, then, let's put this in, should they be illegal? Should they Uh, remain illegal? Well, you just said that they're bad for you, and we can can take so oh, yeah, coffee, but I don't think coffee is designed to cause your back to break out, the acne, your liver to fall out, and your heart to burst. Well, you know what? Some I don't kids... think coffee, coffee gives you a little buzz in the morning, but I, I don't think it. Yeah, I've never heard of anyone suffering from coffee rage. <laughs> hey, um, you, you feed the wrong child <laughs> peanuts, and <laughs> well, that's an allergic reaction, David. Come on, we. But um, I think we're talking in a uh, in a competitive sense. I think we have to look at. A level playing field. Um, I think back now on how many players may have, maybe there wasn't that many in the end, who may have tried to compete clean and their careers were put at, 
a disadvantage, and they operated it as uh, uh, at a disadvantage because they were clean, as opposed to the players who were dirty. Right. Um, define clean. Let's say there's a player who clean? uses a no, maybe makes a cocktail of vitamins and Chinese herbs and things that happen to be legal, maybe because the government just doesn't even know what they are. But right. that's what he. That was what this guy does. He makes these weird special concoctions. And he's getting a leg up on all his other players, you know, everybody else, because he has a special brew. But it's legal, but he's, he's you know, injecting vitamins or whatever he's doing. Is so that why, pushing the envelope? I, I, I'm, I'm missing something here. Why <laughs> are you suggesting that if something's illegal but used by an athlete to enhance his or her performance, we should look the other way at it? Or well, we should give it, I mean... If so, you're so you're real. If you drive home faster because you're drunk, yeah, yeah. you're illegally drunk. <laughs> I mean, but you sure got home faster, and that was your object. Well, I'm getting, I guess, two different issues kind of merging here. It's, it's like you're against I mean, if the you're illegality. If you're advocating the the legalization of anabolic anabolic steroids, human growth hormone, that's fine. I we could we could talk at that level, but ah, if okay. we're saying why should we object to those to, to the use of those drugs? Let's start with them being illegal, illegal. Okay. and then and then let's go to. But if they were legal, would you yeah. cheating? I mean, yeah. if it's illegal and you're using them, it's enhancing your your performance. You're cheating. But if they if they were so legal, so what does that say yeah. to the non-cheaters? It says yeah. you better get with the program, brother, because hmm. if you're not cheating, you're going to be at a disadvantage. And then we go. And then David, it gets back to the whole thing about. You know, Bud Selig and Donald Fear indulging this stuff, knowing oh, yeah. full well that it was going on, and whether there was a drug conspiracy. Conspiracy, and in my mind, certainly there was a conspiracy of silence, a, a conspiracy for profit. And if I mean, if you were to find out that in your work of walk of life, mm -hmm. I've, I've written this analogy. Let's sure. say uh, I, I operate a factory for a bunch of owners. And you are you represent the union for those workers, and we it comes to our uh, our full uh, our full acknowledgement that that our that the workers are doing illegal drugs to get productivities up, profits up, um, demand for the products up, so therefore pricing is up, hmm. and yet we know that these. Drugs are, are a illegal and b dangerous, and we decide just to keep our mouths shut because, right. after all, profit is up, and that's what the profit across the board for both the employees and the owners and the investors in our company. I mean, we've that's called racketeering. Yeah. No, that, that is a good analogy. <laughs> we've created a false front that this is a a prim and proper industry. And what we've done is yeah. engaged in a, in a criminal conspiracy. An Ill, uh, a li illegal drug conspiracy for profit. Um, you or I, I would presume, would be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the, of the law and probably be doing hard time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, because we, uh, we, we can hit home runs or we're pretty good, you know, shortstop, whether this should be indulged or dismissed or rationalized. Or excused, um, I have trouble with that. Okay, I mean, I you started this, David. I know I, that's what, that was the point of the conversation. Man. Although I'll, I will say, I mean, I, I, I 
on some level, I'm also playing straw man because I've never of taken course. a drug in my life. But I do. Uh, oh, one you last give thought a about. Shot. They're a lot of fun. <laughs> no, but but if you were blind, would you take medical marijuana, medicinal marijuana? Well, if it were prescribed to me, I, I mean, if 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 were if it were uh, if I were blind, I was in great pain and and uh, with no hope. Yeah, would I would I would I push the uh, limits of the law? Would I uh, disregard or violate the law? Yeah, I probably would. Okay, but I, I get the feeling that even when you were talking about the uh, I don't want these athletes to be impaired. I think right. I, I, I know them to be privileged as athletes yeah. and gifted. It's just so funny. We've come so far from like Babe Ruth and his his cocktail was twenty hot dogs. You know? Yeah, and and, and uh, a quart of uh, scotch. You know, but well, scotch is a bag of drug is uh, some of the other, the other things that they're by taking, some so. by some standards. Yeah, any any. Played hungover, or, yeah. but Babe Ruth. Um, I would suggest to you that 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 alcohol was a detriment to his abilities, as opposed to a uh, oh sure an enhancer. As um, were his I think binges. He succeeded in spite of drugs, but not be, uh, in spite of alcohol, as opposed to because of alcohol. By the way, people the thing that Babe Ruth. This is a, kind of a neat sure. little nugget. Um, Babe Ruth, the, the greatest thing. Babe, and this is what people I. I for the most part, don't understand about great running backs. His vision was so superior. Columbia University in the early 30s did a study on Ruth and found that he, he, even when he went hunting and he was hung over, and when he went, went on a, a, you know, a hunting trip with friends, yeah. he, could, he, you know, he was the best hunter in the group. Um, his, he was the best shot among them. And they found that his eyesight was so superior, he was like a one-in-a-million guy that he could read. I forget the, quite the, the distance, but it was he could read a, a, a license plate on a car from 100 yards, that kind of thing. And he still shot at the car. So <laughs> yeah, right. You know, how many, you know how many cars he bagged? <laughs> really? Oh, really? He had, he had them up over the mantelpiece. He had Buicks and Pontiacs. And, Two Gabe Wharton, seven hunters, and a purebred Guernsey cow. Yeah. But, I mean, you know... Uh, to compare alcohol to, you know, uh, something that could impair your, your uh, performance to something that can enhance it, and, again, it's illegal and dangerous, not all certainly dangerous, I think that's okay. That's the ultimate uh, apples and oranges, or apples and lug nuts. <laughs> 30 seconds is a long time. You can say a lot in half a minute about your business, your product to sell, your message. Say it on Dave's Gone By. Easy, inexpensive, effective. For details and the rate card, davesgoneby.org or email davesgoneby at aol.com. Imagine how much you can say to my listeners by advertising on Dave's Gone By. Just like this, 28, 29, 30. We're talking with Phil Mushnick, columnist for the New York Post. And if people want to read Phil's column, they can catch it. Let's see. I know you've got two different columns on a Sunday, one about television and one about sports, both right. in the Post. And what, what are the other days of the week that you're there? Uh, Mondays, we got one. We got one Friday, and the, as you said, two on Sundays. And by the way, I, was, I'm a, uh, I grew up in a very uh, Broadway-centric household. My mother was a, was a, uh, a dilettante. Oh. And uh, spent many, many, uh, when I wanted to be watching baseball, I was watching, uh, I was in the theater watching Camelot and Brigadoon and 
flower drum song and the like. So did that uh, turn you against Broadway or? Absolutely not. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. Absolutely. We're we're kind of a very Broadwayish show sometimes here, but I also like sports and talking with Mr. Mushnick, no relation to Little Shop of Horrors, right, right? About all sorts of stuff and and getting into juicy arguments. And here's perhaps another one. I understand, and and you go after this quite a lot, that there there's an ugliness to showboating and grandstanding and even trash talking. It, it doesn't really have to be part of the game. Certainly on national telecasts and. You know, part, I mean, it doesn't have to be part of anything. I, it, 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 when did imo- immodesty become an attribute? Well, well, you want to be bigger and better and braver and bolder, and part of that big, might be bigger talking... Bigger and better and braver and bolder. Why do you have to be a bigger uh, showboat? I don't know. Maybe that is just giving you false courage that gets you through it and makes the other team feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's false. I think this stuff was blessed. It's become tired. It's become... Conditions become reflexive. Yeah. Uh, years ago, we, we with the advent and, and the growth of ESPN and other sports networks, we saw that you know that that the athleticism, the the, the skill in doing something, kind of took a backseat to the uh, to the showboating, to the immodesty, to the uh, self-aggrandizement. Okay. Um, I, I've written something. Uh, recently about Rocky Marciano and, and how he was a great uh, heavyweight champion, but he was so immodest that, you know, if we, we juxtapose him and, and throw him into 2008, he'd, he'd probably be considered commercially unacceptable because he was such a modest man. Hmm. And um, Yeah, but you know, who, who changed all that in some ways? We did, the media. Well, the media, I, I pin it on someone who I didn't really like when, in my early years. Well, Ali. Yeah, well, but... The but greatest there athlete time, of... There was a time when the media would shout that down, would ridicule it, condemn it, and make sure it stuck. And then Howard Cosell, who I knew as one of the great frauds in, in journalism... Ouch. Okay. ...decided that it was a wonderful thing, that he was expressing some sort of a cultural sentiment... As opposed to being a braggart, and um, and you see, you you can see the uh, the residual of it today. You can't have a, a boxing press conference without the two guys telling each other they're going to kick each other's butt, and they have a fight right there. It gets, it's oh, that's stupid. stupid. Yeah, but I mean, with Ali, that's the reason my family didn't really like Ali in those years when he was the greatest, quote unquote, and the king, because he was just like talking like an idiot, and he didn't have to do that. But it made him. Part of the legend is that well, he did HBO that. did a did a uh, documentary on on Ali about on the Ali Fraser fights about the documentary ran about ten twelve years ago and they were gratuitously acclaimed I felt and they generally do some good stuff HBO it does some good stuff but in this one it it it, it strongly suggested it didn't even suggest it it inferred that liberal America backed Ali and conservative America backed. Uh, 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 Frazier hmm. and um, I was in college at the time and I guess I, I clearly I was a card carrying liberal and I couldn't stand Ali and I was a big Fraser fan and I, I resented the fact that HBO would say this everyone uh-huh. on this side was on that side everyone on this side, on this side. and I like Frazier because he struck me as a sportsman what I had been r- raised uh, to perceive as a sportsman and I felt that Ali I mean, Ali said some credit for someone who was, who even t- 
today is widely seen as a champion of, of, of African-American liberation, said some of the most racist stuff. He called, he called Frazier a gorilla. Oh. I mean, well, yeah. and we're supposed to forget that. I mean, mm. he, was, he, he referred to Cassius Clay as his slave name, but Cassius Clay, in fact, was, he was named after the editor of, uh, 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 I think it was a Lexington newspaper, who was a, a strident uh, anti-slavery activist, and then we had his uh, newspaper burnt down and moved to uh, Cincinnati, huh. where he founded, the, Cassius Clay founded the Cincinnati Enquirer, which also served in those days. You took your newspapers took one stance or the other. You were pro-slavery, anti-slavery, and again he took this anti-slavery position and risked his life. I think it was a Yale graduate, uh, the the original Cassius Clay, and yet when Cassius Clay declared and that that was a slave name, people Hmm. bought into it. Oh, that was a slave name. No, it wasn't a slave name. Quite the contrary. Wow. Well, I mean, actually, what brought I, that up? Well, what brought, actually, what brought this up was about the showboating and stuff. But there is one. Sam, I'm with you on all of that, actually. But I'm the one thing that I, I don't get is why you're so opposed to when because a football team. No, no, not, not that part. No, no, that, that I do understand. I'm saying when a team is winning the game by a lot, right. like a football team is winning 65 to 12, or right. it's an odd number to be winning by, or a basketball. <laughs> Well, look, yeah, that is a good score. Why can't they run points? That's the idea. Why would you want to? Because why do you, you want to keep someone when they're down? The game's over. You've you vanquished your opponent. You're the conqueror. Now what do you want to do? Kick them some more? Well, to what end? To what, what does it serve? Well, first of all, at the end of the year, you know, how many points did the team score as a whole over the course of the year? How yeah, it goes? It all goes into the record books and count. It's like. If if you're Tiger Woods, let's say, I know you have issues with him, but but that's an individual sport. If you're playing golf, you're you're, you're playing against the course. Oh, you really? want to get the ball. You want to get the ball in the hole as as quickly as possible. So if as you're few strokes as possible. Yeah. If in a football game, are you playing against the clock at an opponent? You've gotten them. You've gotten them. You've you've, you've clearly you've you've destroyed them. Right. Why kick them some more? Well, yeah, it isn't necessarily. Showboating is kicking them, but just being able to pass the ball and score again—that's the what you do. That's how you you know, keep winning. And yeah, okay, that's you know. Granted, I, I, I can't. You seem like a very reasonable, rational, commonsensical guy. Yeah, sometimes. If you were up sixty-five, twelve, <laughs> I'd say, all right, let's. Let's throw an 80-yard pass now and go up 72-12. to 12. Well, yeah, I, I, uh, I think you'd run the clock out. You'd bring all your subs in. I would only make, bring I would bring the subs in so I would remember they rest my best players. Too. What? Sorry? They, your subs practiced all week, too. Maybe it's time they got a shot. Yeah, no, I would do it so I, in case, God forbid, in garbage time, my quarterback broke his leg, I would want to sit him as soon as possible. But if my subs could run up the points, I would let them do it. I wouldn't tell them to fall down. Right. But I, I, to, to what good end does it serve? It serves an ugly end. So the other team goes out, and they're gonna, and this becomes self-fulfilling. This becomes in self-perpetuating. Uh, Next year they want to do it to you, and suddenly you see what happens. Now we have football games before kickoff. There's brawls. Well, but that shouldn't be the reaction. The reaction should be, hey, the idea is to score points, and if we end up scoring, you know, 70 more points than you, then get better I next year and try and beat us. The, the, the goal was to win the game. 
what, what not to yeah. humiliate your opponent. I see. I don't see it as humiliating unless it's really well, nasty ever, about. Have it. you ever lost sixty-five to twelve, and then the other been losing sixty-five twelve, and the the other team keeps throwing into the end zone? Clearly, they've gotten you beat, but they're gonna. I guess they've got they've got you vanquished. I don't, and, all right, maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't think you 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 would have your kids do it. Huh. If you ever saw I me, if you I ever had kids, you know, or ever have kids in the future, if they're anything like me, they would be on the 12 side. <laughs> and I don't think I would hold it against the, the 65 side. Well taken. You win. As long as they will punch me, you know, and anything like that. Oh, my gosh. We, unfortunately, we, we've had this wonderful time, but I've got to let you go. But please, um, this is automatically an invite back to appear again on Dave's gone by. So please, everybody, read Phil Mushnick several times a week in the New York Post. And of course, you can see all his columns at uh, New York Post. Every since 2002. Are you going to write a book at some point? No, if I have a if I have a chance. Well, yeah, I guess with all those columns, it's, it's kind of difficult. And you're you're not retiring anytime soon, I would hope. You don't retire, you expire. That's that's Remember what I that. like to hear. We agree there. All right, brother. Phil Mushnick, thanks so much. David, thank you. Okay, so your business proposal has been typed, proofread, photoshopped, and given a nice cover. Now, all you need is 20 spiral-bound copies, plus a thousand printings of your latest brochure. Your Xerox can't do it. Your mailroom can't do it. Hewlett Minuteman Press can do it all. Your one-stop printing shop, Minuteman, 1315 Broadway in Hewlett. Open six days a week, 10% off for Days Gone By listeners. Family-owned Minuteman, their service can't be duplicated. Inside Broadway, brought to you by Total Theater's Performing Arts Insider, your everything theater guide. Yes, we're going in performing Broadway on WGBB on Dave's Gone By. Had a little trouble getting back to the phone because we have very quickly uh, another GB person on the line with us. Well, I thought I'd say hi to him because he was such a, a cool guy on our New Year's special. Oh, no, we lost him. Oops. Oh, well. Oh, well. Mark Luke. Torres, if you're there and you want to call back, or maybe after Inside Broadway if you want to. How do uh, we lose him? Either he hung up or we lost him, or I hit the wrong button. It happens. How could you? I don't know. I, I think he may have actually wanted to ask me a question off the air and uh, didn't want to do anything on the air, so so he's gone. He's but gone. what's here is theater inside Broadway, ladies and gentlemen, here on this February 17th edition of Dave's Gone By. We go to Broadway News. You know what musical is going to be officially, it's official now on the boards. Instead of a little green man from Mars, it's a big green guy from cartoons. Oh, yes, Shrek. That's right. Shrek is official now. What what theater are they going into? It starts previews November 8th and opens December 14th, right in time for the holidays, at the Broadway Theater, which is where the color purple just faded out. So it's going from purple to green for Shrek in uh, in the wintertime. You know who some of the cast members are? Sutton Foster took a role in that. The wonderful Sutton Foster, who is currently still in Young Frankenstein. And she was That's also... Frankenstein. Frankenstein. She was in Thoroughly Modern Millie and Little Women. And there was another show that she actually won a Tony for. That was called um, The Drowsy Chaperone. No, that wasn't her Tony one. Oh. I think she won maybe for Millie. But possibly not. And she's also in there with... No, she won for Millie. She won for Millie. So, yeah. Um, Christopher Sieber... 
Keisha Lewis Evans, they're they're all in the cast. And so Who's playing Donkey? Who you know, the two roles that they have not yet cast and are desperate to find are the Eddie Murphy the Donkey role and Well we're available. We're available. Well, there we go. Jeff <laughs> would be a kind of a pretty good Shrek. And, and the one thing, um, Michael Regal, who's usually not this snippy, Regal has been a guest on this program, he is the, um, well, it's in a very New York Posty episode, but he is a theater columnist for the New York Post, and he tells all the big theater news and gossip there. And he had a very, very, like, a snarky column, more than usual, about the show, saying that his fear for it is the fact that it's being written by David Lindsay Abair, who wrote Rabbit Hole, and the music is by Janine Tesori, who is best known for writing the score to Caroline or Change. They're very talented people, but can they pull it together for what is essentially a big, goofy, um, zany Disney kind of musical? Yeah. And he's wondering about that, especially he heard some of the score, and he's like, well, this would be okay for a Kushner piece, but is, is this the, the stuff that we want from the folks who make Tarzan and Mary Poppins? And um, what's the one they just opened? And, and Little Mermaid. So we shall see, still a f- few months away, Shrek on Broadway. Also, some good news for fans of the uh, play August Osage County, which is not going to close in the middle of April. You knew that was they were trying to do that. You think? Well, it got such wonderful reviews. It's the, the favorite for the Pulitzer and the Tony, certainly, as, as best play of the year. And then... In my opinion, it's up there. It's not so wonderful, but it's pretty darn good and certainly very, very watchable. Well, people running to see it, and it was supposed to be a limited run, and they have to move it out of the theater where it is because they want to bring another play in there. So Do you know what's moving, coming in there? Uh, yes. You tell me. It's um, from London. Yep. It's about a boy who wants to dance. That's correct. And it's, the I music is by name. Elton John. I forget the name of the Billy Elliot. That's it. Billy Elliot is Elliot is due for um, for that theater, so they can't keep August Osage in there indefinitely. So where are they going to move the play to? It's going to go to the music box now that the Farnsworth oh, invention is closed. Next next door, huh? Yeah. So they're moving that right over, and then in between, it is a possibility while that theater is dark and waiting for Billy Elliot next season, Patrick Stewart may bring a Macbeth. There, that he did at the Brooklyn Academy of Music just, um, well, this month, actually. It got amazing reviews. And so if they can get the money and the time together, they're going to bring that to Broadway for a couple of weeks with uh, the Star Trek commander, Patrick Stewart, as the murderous... Well, he's not a Dane. What is he? He's a Scot. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, Another Broadway show that has confirmed its dates and, and more fun and zaniness... Boeing, Boeing. Oh, they're moving that one from London, huh? Yeah. Another play. Another play. <laughs> it's a big year for Broadway plays. Everything, they always go in cycles. A couple of years ago, we were wondering, is it all going to be big musicals? There were no plays opening. They were just doing these revivals. Yeah. This year, the whole fall season was mostly about new plays. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. And they've got, well, this is not a new play. This is a play that has actually been... Running or did run in London years ago mm-hmm. for a long time. It ran in France for and two it's decades. Boeing, Boeing. It's it's like the aircraft. Yeah, B O E I N G dash B O E I N G. But also, it's a play on the words Boeing, Boeing, like right. a spring kind of a thing. And it's going into the Longacre Theater with Mark Rylance, 
a very gifted actor, a very funny actor when he wants to be also. And he was the... Mark Rylance was the artistic director of Shakespeare's Globe Theatre in London. He was the guy who took it over after Sam Wanamaker. The Globe Theatre that Shakespeare used, he ran it for ten well, years. Very talented actor, too. And so. what's he doing in Boing Boing? Um, he's the, the farcical lead. And he'll oh. be out playing opposite Christine Baranski. Oh, and you know who played that role in London? A few people, but go ahead. But uh, Danny DeVito's wife. Rhea Perlman. Right. She was in there. And also, a lot of famous British actresses. Jane Marsh was in there for a bit. And uh, a couple of... Jean Marsh from Upstairs, Downstairs. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, and Bradley Whitford from the West Wing will be there in there, as well as Mary wow. McCormick. So, it's... Um, that's it. It ran two decades in France. It's this comedy about this guy. In France or in England? France. It ran a lot longer. It was a French farce, but it was a big hit in England, too. It ran seven years in the, on the West End, and they just revived it last year mm. in the United Kingdom. And so, you know, that, that line in the odd couple about hot and cold running stewardesses, that's what this show is about. It's about a guy, his three girlfriends, they're all stewardesses, and his luck, they're all in town on the same layover on the same weekend, and he's got to juggle all three of them. Plus, he has a friend in town, and then all that crazy boing, stuff. Boing, boing. Boing, boing. Coming to the Long Acre in, you know, this spring, just a couple of weeks well, away. Well, it would be nice if the Long Acre could find a tenant that lasts longer than a week or two. Well, the Long Acre has, like, all these. It just opens for a week, and then the show's closed. Yeah, I mean, Farnsworth was there for about three months, but that's no, not... No, Farnsworth is... Oh, no, that was... I'm sorry, that was a music box. What was that the Long Acre last? It's a long time... Oh, you know what it was? It was the revival of talk radio, I think. Yes, yes. So that, I mean, it was a hit revival, but it only lasted a few weeks because yeah. what's-his-name had to leave. Leave being the operative name. Yeah, and it Leap Schreiber was Yeah, the... so limited runs, and it, that was almost a year ago, so it's about time they had something new in there. Um, speaking of a long, long, long-running show, Chicago on Broadway um, will get Grammy win- winner Mia, who will play Velma, until July. Have you ever heard of Mia, M-Y-A? No. no. Neither have I. <laughs> but that show, you know, that show's been going since November 14th, 1996. I know. At the it's, Richard Rogers Theater. It's been going a little bit shorter than Rent. Well, yeah. Oh, and when Rent closes, that'll start to be the one to beat, well, if Phantom ever closes, but that'll be, you know, towards the second longest run ever, ever, ever of anything. Yeah. So. So Chicago, new Velma coming in there, and and um, someone who won't have that longer run. Sorry about this kind of a segue, but Broadway did lose an actor this past week, more more of a movie star. Uh, but Roy Scheider died oh, yeah. a few days ago of cancer at age seventy-five. He was born in New Jersey in nineteen thirty-two. He was. Of course, best known as the guy saying, "Don't go in the water in Jaws." He was also in the French Connection, and um, oh, you know what? His, his sorry, yeah. And and he was his big Broadway connection was in uh, all that jazz. Right. It was a movie about Broadway. It was Bob Fosse directed semi-autobiographically it's, about it was his suppo- life. I thought it was supposed to be like the movie version of Chicago, and then he just turned it into his autobiographical thing. Oh, was that it? I think they started making the movie version of Chicago, and then he just started about making the movie version of Chicago. And it oh, I didn't even... It's been a long time since I've seen it. I'm I pretty know sure that that's what it was. I don't know. I'd like to see that film again, because Fosse is really an extraordinary director and talent. And um, I remember it being a pretty darn interesting movie. And Scheider was great in that film. But do you know his other claim to fame on Broadway? Showtime. 
Well, that's all that jazz. Um, no. He was a cast member in the premiere, the Broadway premiere, of Harold Pinter's Betrayal. One oh. of his better plays back in 1980. And he also was in a version of Tartuffe on Broadway. So he had a couple of Broadway credits, but again, mostly known as a film <laughs> actor, and in the later years also a philanthropist as well. So farewell to Roy Scheider. And I don't believe it. It's 11.46 p.m., and we actually have time this week. Yay! For the reviews <laughs> and, and for my trip to off and off off Broadway. So right after this message... That's because you wouldn't let me talk earlier. Yeah, well, I, I cut your eye off because I wanted to get this in tonight. So, yay. Got one commercial. We'll be back with more Inside Broadway on Dave's Gone By. Performing Arts Insider. Three words that represent a whole world of entertainment found on Broadway, off Broadway, and cabaret. Hundreds of productions to see and enjoy. But how can you keep them all straight? Performing Arts Insider, the guide to everything that's happening on the stages of New York. For six decades, Performing Arts Insider has been a Bible of the industry. Each issue lists hundreds of shows, who wrote them, what they're about, who's in the cast, designers, producers, box office info, parental guides, reviews of what's good, what's bad, and why. Plus, opera, dance, and cabaret, too. As the chief editor of Backstage put it, Performing Arts Insider puts all the facts at your fingertips. To subscribe or get a sample issue, call 516-295-1511. 516-295-1511 or go to performingartsinsider.com. And thanks every week to Performing Arts Insider for sponsoring this segment. It's called Inside Broadway. But we also go off, and sometimes off-off-Broadway as well, for stuff to talk about the New York theater season. Well, I saw a couple of different shows over the last couple of weeks, and I wanted to tell you about them. One to run and see, another to avoid. You dirty little dog, you turned off my mic. Well, very briefly, yes, yes, because I, I want to—I really want to have time to do this. Okay, Because in the past couple of weeks, I haven't. Not your fault. It had to do with with how long we talked to the guests, and I could have talked to uh, Phil Mushnick for an hour, but I'll have him back play. another time. Well, in honor of his appearance here, there was one play about football that I saw just before the Super Bowl, and terrific little off-Broadway one-man show called Runt of the Litter. It was actually done a couple of years ago off-Broadway, and then mm-hmm. he brought it back because, actually, they want to make a movie of it. So it's Bo Eason, who was, in fact, a real-life, honest-to-God, pro football player, and he crafted this play autobiographically, for the most part, about his growing up and being groomed almost from the first to love the sport and be a sportsman and competitor. The problem was, for him, that although he's talented and incredibly hardworking and a good athlete, his brother was just one of those natural athletes, one of those perfect, um, everything came to him easily, and no sweat. And so there was an instant sibling rivalry that wasn't really a rivalry because they loved each other very much. But when he wanted the attention from the parents who lavished it on his brother, he had to work ten times as hard just to get the same amount of recognition and joy from the competition. So if they were swimming, you know, he would work twice as hard to, to beat his brother in a swim meet. Well, turns out that football was their game, and he made it his mind up to 
be a professional football player, just like his brother was going to be. And what do you know? It's the story of how they both did make it to the pros. And what the show starts, they're meeting each other in the big final playoff game on opposite teams. And we see him suiting up in all this armor and this padding and explaining how he became what is essentially a monster out for blood and guts because the only way he can play and all he can do is to go out there and just hit as hard as he can. He's not a quarterback. He's a safety. And that's the guy who just stops things from happening. He's the guy who throws people down and crunches them and makes sure that they can't get up. And that the whole riveting part of this show, and it's really, really good, is just explaining how he built himself up to that level to be someone who can go out there and not just play the game, but play it to hurt people. And, of course, here he is on a team opposite his brother. And it's real, and it's full of energy, and Eason has as both an, a, a commanding actor, a good-looking fella, and I couldn't even watch. There's a point where he is injecting himself, one assumes, with either HGH or just these things that will keep his knees from popping. I assume it was a fake syringe, I, but it's just two minutes of, I can't watch this. As long as it didn't include gunshots, it's okay. <laughs> no gunshots, but but uh, boy, it, it's it's exciting, good theater. It's one-man show. Powerful. Yeah, it really is. And it, 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 although it's autobiographical, he's crafting it into a real play. So that's that's important, too. It isn't just, and then I did this. It, it has a real arc to it. Absolutely recommend it. Runt of the Litter at the 37 Arts Theater. Also, one of the most comfortable. And it isn't the prettiest theater, but one of the nicest theaters to sit in off-Broadway. Why is that? On Just the chairs are, are wide and you just feel there's a spacious feel about the place. Uh, the only problem with it is the rise isn't as good as it should be, so you're always kind of looking up at the stage, no matter where you are, rather than sloping down towards it. So, yes on Runt of the Litter. However, no on a show called Deathbed that's playing at the McGinn Cazal Theater. Now, where is that? Now, this, this is what I really wanted to get into. This is the story of the week. I, I didn't want to schlep into a show. But I had a taping with Charlie, who, who Jeff and Charlie host this cable TV show yeah. on Manhattan Cable. And so Charlie, of course, has this taping on Monday night. And he's like, Dave, can you come in and do it? I'm like, yeah, yeah all right. But uh, if I can see a show first. So I grab a short, hour-long show that's on the west side. Called Deathbed. Called Deathbed at the McGinn Casal Theater. So already I'm like, okay, hey, I'll give it a shot. It's a new play. The playwright won an award or two. Sounded interesting. The first thing, when was the last time you were at the Promenade Theater in Broadway and 76th Street? The Promenade? Yeah. Oh, a while back. Right. Right. They closed the Promenade about two years ago. Yeah. Cause, uh, that was my favorite off-Broadway theater in New York. Oh, yeah. It was a beautiful theater. Beautiful, charming, comfy. It felt like a nice theater. It was cozy, but it wasn't too whatever. Well, guess what? Not only did they close, it's gone. They took, remember the lobby and the nice area, that whole sort yeah. of block that it was? Uh-uh. You go into the theater now, it's this little cubicle, and on your, your right is the New York Sports Club, and on the left is a doorway to Sephora. And all mm-hmm. it is is this white little nothing hallway and an elevator and a staircase. But maybe it's that other theater, that horrible theater they had. They had two theaters in that. Well, that's the McGinn Casal. Oh, the McGinn yes. Casal is up on the fourth floor. You have to yes, take the yes. elevator to the third floor. Now, a 
walk upstairs to the fourth floor to get to the McGinn Cazal, named, by the way, partially after John Cazal from the uh, Godfather pictures and, and Meryl oh. Streep's ex, well, dead husband, actually. <laughs> I wish I'd put that better. But anyway, so, so I slept up there, and it's now being run. You see, now, the McGinn Cazal used to be run by Second Stage. That was their other space, but not anymore. That was their second stage. Yeah, it was the second stage theater's second stage. Now, they, I guess they're renting out to a bunch of different yeah. people. So they, they've got this, these guys, and I get them, and I'm like, okay, and I, I feel depressed being there, because I just remember what this whole building in this theater used to be, and it's not there anymore. So I go in, I go to see the show, and I want to sit, you know, I'd like an ILC, or I'd like a little bit towards the back. No, they're not a full house, so they're pushing everybody down front. So I said, all right, I get a seat all the way on the left in the front row. Not realizing when I sit down that for the entire duration of the play, there are going to be two actresses there who are sitting on stage in front of me, about two or three feet away from me. Like, if I cough and a little sputum goes out of me, it lands on their legs. How nice a picture. So they they have this opening scene together where it's they're reading this novel. This woman is reading a novel and she says, oh, it's so sad. It's such a sad, sad novel. And she's talking to this other woman and explaining how sad it is. And then, assumedly, what unfolds for the rest of the play are the contents of this novel. And it's a, this convoluted thing about um, all these people who are either betraying each other, each other, or there's this old man who's going to be dying, so he wants to kill himself, and there's a young boy who wants to videotape the guy dying. Eh, a lot going on of in there. Of course. So, meanwhile, I'm watching this, and I've had this lovely and big and delicious Indian dinner also beforehand, before I got to the theater. What happens when you have a big Indian dinner? It's what's happening to David now. Lets, David lets out a big no, bunch not, of gas. No, not quite. I've done that, but not not quite this time. First of all, you get sleepy. Because I knew five minutes into the play, I was not going to be interested, and it was going to suck. <laughs> so I'm not going to. So I want to just kind of fall asleep. And a, I don't want to do it because I've been known sometimes to snore. And b, <laughs> there are these two actresses there, right in front <laughs> of touching you. distance. So I'm like, I'm pinching myself. I'm going like this on my elbow, you know, the slapping, trying not to be too obvious, but also not wanting to zone out and suddenly go like. <laughs> in front of these two poor women who have to sit for, in front of me for an hour. They don't do anything. They don't move. They're, they're, they're not going to go off stage. They're going to be there the really? whole freaking play. So there I am. I'm trying to stay awake, and I'm managing. And then about halfway through, I realize that that Indian dinner, delicious as it was, has to be digested. So I hear... and there. You can control, like, flatulence to an extent, if you're lucky. You can control yes. that coming out. And you can do some other things, or if you have but to... But when your stomach goes, I got the borborygmus <laughs> from hell. <laughs> In this tiny... Not tiny... What does it sound like, bit. David? I'm going to do... <clears throat> so I'm watching, and I'm awake. I'm kind of awake. Actually, I'm already awake now, and because... we're talking about that. You, really boring role players. We're talking, 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 <laughs> and we're looking at David, and we're saying, wow, why is this guy not really interested? He's, I think he's pinching himself to keep himself away. God, this play is boring. Well, I got lucky. I got, I got lucky in the sense that at one point, well, the guy says what he, he threatens to kill himself. So I figure, oh, maybe there'll be a gun, and that wakes me up. But the problem is when I wake up, my, my internal workings start working again, and I start digesting. And 
in my chair, I'm like, oh, and there's nothing. I go. I am totally unprepared for it. There's nothing I can do. You can't stop the Borigmas thing. And and I I feel like cannot stop Borigmas. And at least there's nobody sitting right next to me. But I know the people like two seats over are like, and you just feel so bad. And I feel bad for the act. And it happened like three more times during the second half of the show. I'm I'm sitting there and out of the blue, like. Oh, oh, David's tummy's making noise. The only good thing about that show, it was over in about literally an hour and five minutes. There was actually also one good scene in the play, which had to do with this woman who's, who finds out she's dying of cancer, and she wants her husband to be supportive and, and to be there with her, and he's like, he can't do that. He's, he's unable to. And that would be the kernel of a really interesting play. But there's so much else going on of so little consequence that I was just, it was one good scene in a mass of nothing and my belly going... <laughs> so that was my experience. That's called David digesting. <laughs> so, that, yay, I got to say it on the radio. My, my Borborygmus night at the theater. And yes, folks, uh, women, you know if you're listening, the actresses, that was me. Now, yeah. did, now did you know... What Borbergmus was before you... Oh, sure, because George Carlin did a big old uh, routine on it years, so that's oh, how I knew to imitate it. Because I'm imitating it's George Carlin. Borbergmus? B-O-R-B... There's a Y in there somewhere. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably in the Igmus. Igma, yeah, some... I-G-M-Y-U-S. Or Borbergmus... We'll have to look it up. We'll have to Google it, but don't have time to do it now. Because we have to... Make way... For gospel, but hey, we haven't even closed the show yet. So let's do a commercial. We'll close the show, and we'll be back with the last parts of Dave's Gone By. Right We've just been inside Broadway, thanks to TotalTheater.com and Performing Arts Insider. Shalom, damn it, shalom, damn it, that's the name of my TV show. Wednesday morning, 7.30, channel 20 is where to go. See the one and only Rabbi Saul Solomon on TV. Davesgoneby.org has the details and a link to the show on YouTube. I read the Torah, I tell stories, shake my fist and complain a lot. So Wednesday morning, 7.30, channel 20 is the spot for Shalom Dammit. Hi, this is Phil Mushnick, sports columnist for the New York Post. You're listening to WGBB. Yes, indeed. WGBB and Dave's gone by. It is 12.01 on WGBB Freeport. Time for the last moment or two of this radio program. So let's first thank a whole bunch of people, including our sponsors. Jeff, let's run through them quick. Performing Arts Insider. We'll start with that. The Bible of Broadway. 10%, uh, no, 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 more than 10% up for Dave's Gone By listeners. Go to performingartsinsider.com to find out more about the magazine and davesgoneby.org to find out about the discounts you get if you're a Dave's Gone By listener at Performing Arts Insider. And mortgagesrock.com, mortgagesrock.com. 
which is where you can either get financing for mortgage loans or refinancing, or you can learn how to be a broker and make commission by helping your friends and family get the loans that they need. Also, what's another of our sponsors? Where do you get 10% off on any job, big or small? The Copy Kings of Broadway. Hewlett, Hewlett Minuteman Minute Press. Press. Yay! 1315 Broadway in Hewlett. 516-569-5577 is their number. 569-5577. And if you want to decorate your party in a really nice way, where do you go? Fancy Schmancy Balloon. And what number do they call? 516-797-3229. 516-797-3229 for great balloons, decorations, and centerpieces for any party. Great balloons. St. Pagney's Day is coming up. You want that party? Call Jeff at Fancy Schmancy Balloons. Oh, we got the green balloons. Yes, indeed. Everybody also watch Wednesday morning, 7.30 in... The AM on Woodbury Cablevision of Long Island, Channel 20. It's Shalom, damn it, with Rabbi Saul Solomon. It's the Rabbi's Peace, Love, and Acid Reflux Hour. If you haven't seen it, isn't it about time? Or at least go on YouTube and search it out. Shalom, damn it. And then uh, there will be some new episodes coming in a few weeks, so so hang tight. But at least they're starting to rerun some of the first nine, so that's kind of neat. If you want to write to me, it's Dave's Gone By at AOL.com. D-A-V as in Victor, E-S, Gone By at AOL.com. Dave, even though the postage went up, we can still write to you? Yeah, well, it goes up in a couple of weeks. So, so use that forever stamp now. And write me a letter or drop me an email. Um, we'll no, t- save the forever stamp for after. Get the, get the 41 cent stamp. Oh, yeah, that's true. Or send me a... I'll, hell, I'll even accept a postcard. That's that's the kind of guy I am. You I'll are one heck of a guy. I think so. I think so. I want to tell people that the band, His Mighty Robot, who were on the show a while ago, are doing a gig at 198 Broadway in Amityville on March 15th. It's a 10 o'clock gig, and there's another radio station that's sponsoring it. If they get 100 people, the band's going to get some kind of showcase. So go to hismightyrobot.com to find out more about their gig. Also want to give a shout-out to Stephen Tobolowski, the actor and director, who has been playing Bob Bishop on TV's Heroes. The strike is over, so I assume he'll be back on some new episodes soon. Uh, I want to remind everybody, Dave's gone by on TV airs Fridays at 7.30 on Channel 20. Oh, and it's really, really interesting. Yeah, well, it's old shows of this program. Except old school, baby. You can watch them on TV instead of just listening to them on the radio. You can, however, hear 25 older episodes of Dave's Gone By anytime. Even older than those? Older, older. Going back to like 2003, just going to davesgoneby.org. And also listen on this radio station, WGBB, for a show called Filler Up. It's a half hour of music that I put together and host. And it's on Saturday nights sometime. I think it's 9.30. They keep moving it around, but it's there somewhere. Look for it. For it on uh, AM 1240 WGBB. Big thank you to Phil Mushnick of the New York Post for being my very special guest. Make sure to read his column about four or five times a week in the Post. I, I, I try and read it all the time whenever I can. I want to thank um, Jeff Goodman, my terrific co-host as Hello. ever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and my beloved and adorable and wonderful wife Joyce Weil. We had a wonderful time this weekend. Uh, she, no, she, my wife, poor thing, has to go on Amtrak tomorrow morning because Temple University doesn't celebrate President's Day. So Joyce will be in the school. You know, she'll she'll be teaching, and I'll be missing her a lot. In the upcoming weeks, 
We've got folk singer Paul Tracy, a guy from my childhood in a certain way, from watching him on TV, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Also, one of these days I'm going to play highlights from our New Year's Eve special that wasn't on a Sunday night, so a lot of people might have missed it, and we did some really fun stuff. So a lot of good things to come on Dave's Gone By, even including next Sunday, the 261st episode of Dave's Gone By on February 24th. Which will be even better than this one. Even better. So until then, don't miss your days going by. This is Dave Lefkowitz. And oh, and Jeff Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> I purposely open up that little, little little pause for you. This is Dave Lefkowitz and the Sleepy Time Jeff Goodman. <laughs> Wishing you good night. Be a good sport. May you have. Uh, what's your stomach do? What did my stomach do? Oh my! Oh, be be. A, can you do the Borberg and the Snoys? Uh, uh, no. No, you're not good at that. You you do the be a good sport part. Be a good sport. Oh yeah 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 yeah. And gone by. How would you like to be my son? How would you like to be my own adopted boy? I never liked it much before, but count the cash that's in the drawer. I've got for toys I want to for say yes. Wait for see more. I want to be your dad. I gladly treat you like my blood and my own flesh. Like Ozzy Nelson, Dave, and Rick. Like Honey Fitz and Take Your Pick. That kiss me quick, I'll be your son. Don't make me sick, just be my son. More snick and son. Three words with the ring of fate So say you'll incorporate with me A flourish dream comes through Mush pig and advice to you What business will do for F-D-D Like Andy Hardy and the judge Like Susan Mercury, like Dumas, Beast and Pear In trouble, sickness and in hell We'll share the plan and share the wealth Oh my-